Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. So glad to have you with us for another session of Global Answers. We find that our audience is growing and we're delighted to hear that because little by little more and more people are watching and staying with us. And so what we've been talking about is a growing thing because most of what we discuss is a little different than the normal theology that you would normally hear. So consequently, as we go through these things, it's just a little bit different. And that therefore, it takes a while of listening to us to kind of catch the direction we're going. And our, uh, uh, my brother uh, in the Lord and friend here, Brother Stephen Strew, is with us again today. And our subject matters friend has been parables and shadows. And so today we're going to stay with our subject. This will probably be the last session on this subject. But we're going to take probably the most well-known but most complete shadow, Old Testament shadow of Christ. Now, I just want to re-emphasize a shadow. If I were to have a spotlight pointing at my, myself and a screen was behind me and I put my hand up like this, you would see a shadow on the wall behind me of my hand. And if I were to walk back towards the screen, my hand would become the more obvious and the shadow would diminish away. And that's exactly what happens as we move from an Old Testament shadow into a New Testament fulfillment, that the reality comes looming out as us uh, and the shadow part becomes in, uh, insecure. No, that's not the right word. Insignificant in comparison to the reality. And so if we're going to go into the story of Joseph, we're going to go back to Genesis uh, chapter uh, 30 is where Joseph is first mentioned in his, in his life story. So it is the most complete one in, uh, in the Old Testament that I know of. And so in Genesis chapter 30, Joseph is born to Jacob and Rachel, which is the same father and mother, by the way, as Benjamin. That, that becomes significant. And so <clears throat> well, I'm going to start talking to you in shadows, and then we're going to go to Genesis 37, because that's where the life of story of Joseph begins to unveil. But <clears throat> in, our, in our types here, I want to keep, remind you of certain biblical facts that Jacob, we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob and Esau were the twins born out of Isaac. And then uh, out of the twins, and Jacob then is the, is the chosen one by God, he receives a birthright. And then at a certain point in life, he wrestles with an angel and his name is changed to Israel. And that becomes important because when we read in the Bible about Jacob, generally the context is kind of shadowing to the unconverted Israel. And when it talks about Israel, not just as the nation, but as the elect of God, then that's a converted Israel. So Jacob and Israel then are, are the same person, unconverted, and after he wrestled with the angel of God. And so then, then so out of unconverted Israel, Jacob, uh, came, came Jesus. Are you with me now? We've just jumped forward into the New Testament. So unconverted Israel, out of, there, out of there came Jesus, and out of there will also come the 144,000, as shown in Revelations chapter 7 and Revelations chapter 11, and that's, of course, represented by Benjamin. 
the other, the two sons of Jacob and, and Rachel. And then at the return of Jesus to, to Israel, he gives his attention then through the two witnesses, two prophets of Revelation chapter 11, he gives his attention to the 144,000, which we'll see in the, in the parable as we go through the Old Testament shadow of Joseph, that it's at the very end of things that he, that he turns his attention to Benjamin, which represents that, that uh, latter, latter one born. And so Genesis 37 starts the story of the life of Jesus. And of course, I got my Bible marked uh, all through with, with the types that are in, into this story. So consequently, I uh, get into my Bible and I'm already prepared. Now, <clears throat> Stephen, I don't want to leave you out. That's fine, fill, uh, brother. Fill I'm me enjoying in. this, brother. Yeah, fill me in where you think where you think I'm at. Haven't got the people prepared. No, I think it's uh, I think it's perfectly clear that there's just one concept that I think is important, and that is the uh, light has to come first. The shadow cannot come first. The light has to come first. And so um, when we look at this life of Joseph. It isn't that Jesus is uh, following along after Joseph. It's that Jesus, uh, the process that he would go through and the way he would manifest down through the, the centuries was already in the mind of God. And so what makes Joseph distinctive is that he had a part of that spirit of God living in him. Mm -hmm. And of course, it would play out the same things in Joseph that it would ultimately play out in the life of Christ. Difference with Joseph is that compared to all the others like Moses or, or any of the other types of Christ is that uh, he's the, is the most complete and it's, uh, it's the most uh, the one that's closest to the life of Christ. But it's the light, it's the spirit dwelling in Joseph that's causing him as it were, to, to, to play out this pattern, as you yeah. said, holding up the hand. Yeah, when I, when I look at that, it, to me, it ministers rest to me. All right. That if Joseph, totally unbeknownst to himself, right. could live out a life that was to foreshadow, in shadow form, the life of Jesus Christ, how much more can a New Testament believer with the Holy Ghost in them Amen live out the life Amen. that God wants lived out. Right. And here God lived out what he wanted through uh, a man who had no idea what was going on. Right. And yet here we are trying our best to, to yield ourselves to the Holy Ghost. So how much more should we rest the fact God can do it? Amen. God can do That's it. right for the living. Now, in, uh, just to go over the skimming real, real fast so that we don't sin too long in this, uh, Type, we're typing now Joseph of the Old Testament and Jesus of the New Testament. And I'm going to go through it rather fast, and then we may back up and, and go through, because I don't have them all here. I happened to use the Schofield Study Bible, and they had, they had listed these at the bottom, and, but it's not complete. So I'll, I'll just read the ones that Dr. Schofield points out. Both are loved of the Father. You'll see that in, in Genesis 37.3. Both are hated by their brethren. And that's in Genesis 37.4 and John 15.25. Both had superior claims. They talked about their position with God or in Joseph's case, his dreams that he had. And then that's in, in uh, Genesis 37.8 or in Matthew 21.37. And the brethren of both conspired to kill them. That's in Genesis 37.18 and Matthew 26.3 and 4. And then Joseph was 
in intent and figure slain by his brethren as was Christ, in that they threw him into a pit as for dead. 37, 24, Genesis and Matthew 27, 35 to 37. Both, both were put in prison, Jesus in the prison of the cross and Joseph in a literal prison, and both of them had two others with them. Jesus on the right. cross with the two on each side and, uh, and Joseph in prison with two with him. And when Joseph was in, in the prison, they both had dreams. And when he interpreted the dream to the two people, one of them was to return to the palace and the other one would die. And so with the two on the cross with Jesus, he's, the one was uh, rebuking Jesus, coming against Jesus, couldn't see who he was. And so he's going to end up in hell, death. And then the other one could believe. And so Joseph said, excuse me, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So the same way. That, so each, each one of them became a blessing among the Gentiles. Right. And look at this one. Each one of them, Joseph and Jesus, take a Gentile bride. Amen. And then Joseph is reconciled to his brethren, just as Jesus Christ will be. I've got all the scriptures for this. And then... Here's the last one in Genesis 50, 25. Joseph says, when, I, when you leave this place called Egypt, Goshen, and go back to the promised land, take my bones with you. So he, just as Jesus, he left an empty tomb. So all these shadows just type out perfectly and show that, that Jesus will turn his attention back to the Jews again, and there will be a reconciliation. And then... Do you have your Bible marked with these? Also, I, no? I don't have the actual verses, uh, okay. Brother Lonnie, but I, in fact, what I would like to do is I'd like to, um, when you get to the stage um, of uh, Jesus being thrown into jail on false charges, and, and then, uh, which is the same thing, Jesus yeah. was thrown, was, uh, was, uh, was uh, set up on false charges, so Joseph was thrown yeah. into prison on false charges. But then, what happened in the prison? Uh, I'd, I'd like to come in at that point. Okay, but all right. We can move uh, ahead quickly. I think the thing that really gets to me in this story, uh, just to introduce it, Brother Lonnie, is that in the beginning, uh, Joseph um, is shown visions of how his brothers are going to bow down to him. Right. And to me, it would seem that that vision had died by the time that Joseph was in slavery and right. then eventually in prison. Yeah. How was this ever going to be fulfilled? Correct. And you were talking about resting uh, earlier. There's also this rest when I think of the story of Joseph. No matter what detour we may be on yeah. and, and how it is that we may think that the vision that God has given us for our lives has, has in some way died, mm -hmm. that before the birth of the rebirth or the, or, of the vision usually comes the death of the vision. Right. And then it means that it's God that's yes. doing it. Yes. And not yes. Joseph in his own strength or his, because he was his father's special son, right. but because it was God's plan that it happened. Over to you, Brother Lonnie. Friends, we're going to go through. I'm going to read you just scriptures and kind of give you little briefs now. We're in Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he had a coat of many colors. We have two, two types there. One, one of them, Joseph was loved of the Father, just like Jesus was loved of the Father. And then he had a coat of many colors. And of course, that would symbolize like a rainbow, which means that he was a covenant child, just like Jesus was a covenant child. And, and then we, when we see Jesus on the throne in Revelations, we see him with a rainbow over his head. And then 
his brethren hated him. The last part of verse 4 now, it says, His brethren hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. So there was jealous and envy of his brothers toward him. And that's exactly the way the Jewish brothers were toward Jesus. They just couldn't speak right with him. And then in verse 5, it says, Joseph dreamed a dream. And then verse 7 gives the interpretation. We were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. So here he was, he had a promise from God of the rulership that he was going to have as the, as the son of David, but the Jews hated him for him even daring right. to make such declarations to him. And then it goes on in the relationship to his father and mother in the next few verses and says that the, uh, the mother and father kind of rebuked him for saying, will we bow down to you? And then in verse 11, it says, and his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. So there was some that was paying attention. And now in verse 18, the last part, it says, they conspired against him to slay him. So he was hated without a cause, just like the, the Old Testament prophecy said that, that Jesus said that Jesus would be. And then verse 24, and they took him and cast him into a pit. Now, of course, this is with the intent of death. And yet, and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And then verse 25 goes on to show that an Ishmaelite caravan came by and they decided rather to let him take him along. So that's almost like a resurrection then. He, they put right. him in the pit with the intentions of death, but yet then he was lifted from the pit to go on and fulfill further scripture. And then in verse 28, then there passed by Midian merchantmen and they drew, drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. So here Joseph is sold for 20 pieces of silver and Judas sells Jesus for pieces of silver. Verse 31, they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid and dipped the coat in the blood. And then they sent the coat of many colors and brought it to the father. And then, of course, they assumed that he was dead. So it was a lie, but nevertheless, uh, but the principle was they thought he was as good as dead. And, of course, that was what happened with those when they finally nailed Jesus to the cross. They figured he was as good as dead, good dead too. So in a way, that also was a lie. And now we're going to jump over. All, Joseph is tested by all kinds of uh, <laughs> adversity. Uh, Stephen mentioned that he was falsely accused as in Genesis 39:14. Then she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he has brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us, and he came in to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. So he's falsely accused. Actually, she wanted to lie with him, and he fled from the house, and she grabbed his cloak, and it pulled off, and he just kept running. And then she says, look, he tried to do this and ran when I screamed. So falsely accused. And then verse 20, Joseph's master took him, put him into a prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. So he's put in prison. Joseph is just like Jesus was put into the cross, put onto the cross. And then it goes on about the two others, which we've already talked about in verse 40. It talks about a butler and a baker. And, uh, and it goes on there. And I, wasn't this where you were wanting that's to That's right. Something? I was just yeah. thinking that's, you know, this is, um, it's, it's so fascinating because 
this type of Joseph is playing itself out mm -hmm. in a sense twice. Mm -hmm. Once when he was thrown into the pit mm -hmm. and that represented Jesus being uh, crucified. But then of course he came up out of the pit mm -hmm. when the Midianites came and took him right. away. So, and interestingly, um, his brothers, the Israelites, the, the children of Israel, they actually gave uh, him over to Gentiles mm -hmm. uh, for, for, uh, for punishment, oh, yes, so to so speak. Yes. And, and that's what the Midianites and the uh, Ishmaelites, they were, oh, they were Gentiles. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what uh, the, uh, Potiphar's wife eventually says that uh, this this Hebrew that you've brought into in other words showing that they recognized there were different between Gentiles and Hebrews they saw that distinction and uh, Jesus was in the same way rejected by his brethren handed over to the mm. Romans the the Gentiles mm. for punishment uh, that was the first time now there's the second time with Potiphar's wife she's going to uh, throw him into prison on trumped up charges and now that he's in prison, the Bible says that, um, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And so it's not that God had abandoned Joseph. This was all part of God's plan. Joseph doesn't know what's happening to him, but he's nevertheless responding mm -hmm. as, as a person with authority. He was told in his visions he would have authority over his brothers. He's continuing to act according to the vision mm -hmm. that he was given. He's not looking at the circumstances. Whether he's in Potiphar's house, he rose to be the steward of that house. Whether he's in prison, he'll rise to be the, the, the leader in prison. It's just in his nature mm -hmm. to be like that. Mm -hmm. And this is the fascinating fascinating part though, there's, he still has the gift of being able to interpret dreams. Mm -hmm. That hasn't been taken away. The circumstances have changed. The gift is the same. Now, two people come to him, the butler and the baker. They say, we've had these different dreams. We won't go into the dreams. Now you can read it for yourself. But in the dreams, um, he, he interprets those dreams to mean that uh, one of them is going to be released and the other one is going to be hanged. He's going mm -hmm. to be executed. And... Um, um, the question often arises, especially in Sunday school classes, now which one is released and which one is, is, uh, is, uh, is killed? And there's a significance even in that. You mentioned the fact that there were two thieves on the cross. The one was uh, to be with Jesus in paradise, but the other one was going to be lost. And that would be the same as Joseph in prison. One was going to be released, the other one was going to die. But there's another significance. One of them was released and one of them wasn't. And which one was it? The butler or the baker? And many times we get confused uh, with that. Oh, I can't remember. Well, there's a way to remember it. Remember I said it's better in a previous program to, to see a picture and to be able to understand. Well, here's the picture. The butler carried the king's wine in a cup. Mm -hmm. And so the butler was going to continue to give wine to the king in the king's palace, and then he would be the one that would tell about Joseph eventually. But the baker, which represented the bread, he was going to be killed because Jesus' body would be broken mm -hmm. at Calvary. And, and we know that his body is the bread. But the blood of Jesus, the life that was in Jesus, that would continue throughout the church ages. And so the, the butler had to carry on 
the baker had to be killed. Mm -hmm. uh, in the, the blood to the wine. The mean? blood and the wine would yeah. be symbol symbolized, right. uh, uh, the blood would symbolize the wine. Right. Or be wine would be symbolizing the blood, I beg your pardon. Yeah. And that would continue. Because in wine is life. Yeah, yeah. And in the blood is the life of, right. of Christ. And so that's how we can remember which one is the battle of the baker. Mm -hmm. But it shows again the precision of Scripture. Absolutely. If there had been the other way around, we may not be here, Brother Lonnie. Yeah. Because there wouldn't be this precision. Yeah. And maybe we wouldn't be talking about it but the fact that it was just so precise means that we can have confidence in the Bible again yeah yeah oh the the, the things all through the Bible that continually affirm that it, it, it is so perfect amen engineered by God oh. that it's just unbelievable let me find my notes here now we got the two thieves Butler Butler and the Baker and then verse 22 says but he hanged the chief Baker as Joseph had interpreted to him Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. It just wasn't quite time yet. So right. one went to the palace and one went to death, just as one went to hell and one went to paradise. And then, and then uh, when, they, when they need an interpretation of the king's dream, Pharaoh's dream, then in verse uh, 41, chapter 41, verse 14, it says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and so he was brought out of prison. Right. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to show my ignorance here and maybe trap you too. I hope not. <laughs> it says, and Joseph shaved himself, changed his raiment and came before Pharaoh. And I've wondered, I've always wondered if shaved himself meant something. Do you have any idea? No, I don't, uh, brother. Except that, of course, he w they wouldn't have uh, been well washed and, and kept in prison. Yeah. So it would be natural yeah. for him to be better presented. But uh, the type, um, no, I can't say, brother Lonnie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so then, so then he asked, was asked, then, Joseph, can you interpret this dream for the Pharaoh? He says, it is not in me, but God shall give Pharaoh an answer. So he doesn't take any credit for anything himself. Right. He immediately throws it right back to God, just exactly like uh, Daniel, Daniel did, that it is not any merit of my own, but the God of heaven has shown me for their sakes. Right. So this same principle. And then so he shows him, shows him the dream. And so then Joseph is now set as the number two man. So he's exalted to the right hand of Pharaoh, right. just like Jesus came from the cross, exalted to the right hand of God. Joseph comes from prison, exalted to the right hand of Pharaoh. So we got this. So then when, when Joseph goes out, the trumpets blast and everybody right. knee bows when, when Joseph comes by. And the scripture teaches us that one day uh, when the great trumpet Amen. sounds again, every knee will bow uh, to, to Jesus as, as the king. So, he, so then in verse uh, chapter 40, uh, 41, verse 40, And thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. So, so now Joseph is set as the right hand, and he's the voice of the Pharaoh to the people, just like Jesus Amen. is always the voice of God to, right. to, each, to each age. And then in the uh, verse 43, and he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried before him, bow the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. So from prison exalted yeah. to the right hand of Pharaoh, from, from the prison of the cross exalted to the right hand of God. And then in verse 46, it says, and Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Amen. Pharaoh. And that's exactly the age that Jesus was when he entered into his ministry, was at uh, 30, years, 30 years old. Uh, in verse 54, it says, And the seven years of dearth, which was the right. interpretation of the dream that he was going to have, came up according to Joseph. 
the dearth was in the land, but in all the land of Egypt was there bread. So while the outside was, was starving for bread in Egypt, where Amen. Joseph had provided, was bread. And the scripture says that in the last days, there's going to come a famine in the land, not for the want of food or water, Amen. but for the hearing of the word of God. And yet there is no dearth for the word of God for those who have recognized what God has done in this age. For there's a fulfilling and unveiling of scripture that has happened that is feeding the bride around the world. And this is not unique to our little position right here looking right. To, to you through a television video screen, but rather this is all over the world, friends. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands are following this, this end time message. So there is a place where there is bread, and that's within the, within the end time message. Verse 56, and the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses. And of course, for those in the message, that would be, it'll mean something to you. There wasn't one storehouse, it was all the storehouses. So there's churches all over the world that are that are feeding on this unveiled word since the opening of the seven seals in 1963s. And all the countries came to Egypt for Joseph. There's only one place for the, where the uh, food Amen. is stored. And that's, of course, in Christ Jesus, the revealed word of the hour. And then in chapter 42, verse 6, and Joseph was the governor, and Joseph's brethren came and bowed themselves down unto him. And then Joseph saw his brethren. And of course, verse 9, it says, Joseph remembered his dreams as they bowed down before him. So there they are. Now we've only got one minute left and I'm running out of time. I haven't even got all my types, types fulfilled here. But we'll, <laughs> let me just jump over here where he finally is going to unveil himself to his brethren. He sends his bride back to the palace. Jesus sends his bride into a rapture before he unveils himself to the Jews. Right. And then then the Jews were, the Joseph's brethren were afraid of him. And then he says, don't be afraid, verse 7 in chapter 45, for God sent me before you to preserve a posterity. So consequently, God did it. God was in control to bring a deliverance to give Joseph a Gentile bride as a type and for him to deliver his brethren, feed his brethren. But they all knew it was in the hand of God, no matter how much he went through adversity. He knew it was the hand of God, and that's exactly what Jesus did for us, friends. He came to bring us this great deliverance, and he's going to turn to the Jews very soon. I want to call your attention once again to the type of Joseph where it actually turns prophetic, and that's where he turns to uh, reveal himself to his brethren. And in Genesis 45, 1, it says, Joseph cried out, cause every man to go from me. So he dismissed all of his Gentile helpers and his Gentile bride, which shows there will be a rapture first. And then we find then that when he turns his attention to the Jews, that's Revelation chapter 11, he'll do it through two witnesses that are Jewish, not, not Gentiles. So friends, we are at the end time. When God turns his attention to the Jews, there won't be another Gentile saved. Friends, today's program is one of an eight-part series entitled From Shadow to Reality. This series is available on three DVDs and may be ordered by writing to us at Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. Our zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Or you may visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Please take some time to look around our website. 
you'll find a variety of files for downloading, as well as a link to our resource center containing many Christian books, CDs, and DVDs. Thanks for joining us, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.